Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Can we greet our streaming family? Come on, put your hands together. Welcome, Benjamin. Welcome, you ravening wolf. Welcome. Oh, it's so good to see you in the house today. We've got a full house, but it sounds a little milder than usual. Most of the Warners are here. And I just put eye drops in so I can see clearly. Oh, good, you're there. Welcome. It's so good to have you here because I'm talking about you. Benjamin, Benjamin. Are you ready for the Benjamin generation? We have been in a series called A Season of Ear Tingling. And and, and 1 Samuel 3.11, God said, I'm going to work a work in your day. It's going to make everybody's ears tingle. Did you know when God does profound things, it makes ears tingle, makes your hair stand up. You hear, sometimes you even hear gossip. It'll make you go, no. No, shut up, spill some more tea. But we're talking in the positive way today. No tea spilling. It's ear tingling rooted in the fact that God is doing spectacular things. We've looked at couplets. We looked at the fact that he took Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, and displaced him and put the fourth son Judah in his place. God is the one Promotion comes not from the east, west, north, or south. It comes from God who puts up one and puts down another. Then we looked at the religious spirit of Eli, the priest, that was removed in order that Samuel might come in. And as soon as Samuel was exalted, the silence of the Lord was broken in the earth, and God began to do amazing things. Then we talked about Joseph, how God, uh, he doesn't just work with couplets, he works with individuals. He took Joseph down and put him up. And last week we began a little part of our series on ear tingling called Benjamin. Who's Benjamin? He is the 12th son of Jacob. He's the smallest tribe in the history of Israel with the biggest blessing. Did you know going into this next season, Benjamin, it's not the size of your church. It's not the size of your ministry. It's not the size of your gift, ability, or talent. It's the size of the anointing that God places upon you that is going to cause change and transformation and growth. God can put a big anointing on a little life. And Benjamin, we're not going to consider his tribes. We are going to be in Benjamin as long as we need to be, and Benjamin might carry us right up to Good Friday. A season of ear tingling the Benjamin generation. Let me remind you of our text as Jacob blesses Benjamin, Genesis 49, 27. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey. In the evening he divides the plunder. He's a ravenous wolf. Deuteronomy 33, 12, Moses said about Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him for his shield. He shields him all the day long and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Beloved, Benjamin is the last son 
of Jacob, but he is the son, the full brother of Joseph. He is the only full brother of Joseph. He's the only son that was born in Canaan, born in the promised land. And he's the only son that doesn't say a word in the text that we're looking at. I thought I had my Bible here. I guess I didn't bring it in today. Oh, and there are none to borrow in here. So, oh, well. As we look in Holy Scripture, we meet Benjamin, and we meet him as the boy who his father named. Did you know all the other sons of Jacob are named by mama? But Benjamin is named by the father. And in Genesis chapter 35, his beloved Rachel is pregnant for the second time. And remember last week I told you Rachel represents the women who have not felt fruitful and have been longing their whole life to be fruitful. And I said last week prophetically, Rachel, don't kill yourself because fruitfulness is on the way. Rachel was so desperate. She watched Leah pop out one kid after another. And it's so painful sometimes to see others bear fruit. And all you want is one child. And they got seven. And then eight. And then nine. And then ten. Rachel watched 11 children born until the Bible says the Lord remembered her. Rachel, hold on. You're just about to be fruitful. And Rachel didn't just give birth to a baby. She gave birth to Joseph, the type of Jesus Christ, the greatest patriarch in the history of the Old Testament. Just hold on. You're about to have fruit. Don't kill yourself now. Rachel said, give me children lest I die. Sometimes you're on the cusp of death because you've been fruitless for so long, whatever the dream is, the hope whatever the promise you felt you were given, and then the enemies convinced you it was all a lie. Hold on, beloved, hold on. Rachel, hold on. Because she not only conceived, but she conceived. There's Rachel, all stimulation, no fruit. Now she has stimulation and fruit. And she has Joseph. But Rachel was a little bit of a weirdy. Yeah, she's got her father's gods she carries around with her, and she's, all, she's in a race. It's a race to have babies, and Leah's winning. <laughs> she's popping them out, right? And all Rachel wants is a child, but she gets, she gets Joseph, and as she names him, his name means addition, she literally says, and now God will give me another one. It's, you know, like wash that and put it over there. Now I'll have another one. Rachel was a, bless her little heart, she was a lovely you lamb, but she wasn't uh, eh, the sharpest knife in the drawer. You can't choose who you love sometimes. But I do say to God's Rachel's, Hold on, don't kill yourself. Your dream is coming. But notice it's in the death of Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife. By the way, Rachel's the only one called his wife. They're all, the others are called something else, but she was his choice. And you know, that was the love of his life. And some of us have dreams that are our Rachel, hopes that are our Rachel. And he watched Rachel die as Benjamin was being born. Literally in the act of her dying breath, she names the boy Benoni, the son of my sorrow. And right there, Jacob intervenes and says, I will not allow that name to rest and that curse to rest upon my little baby boy. His name is Benjamin. He's the son of my right hand. He's the right hand of power. I'm going to lean on that boy in my old age. To get up to go to the bathroom, I'm going to have to lean on him. To eat dinner, he's going to have to pick me up and take me over to the dining table. 
I'm going to lean on him. When I have to change my clothes, I'm going to lean on this kid. And the scripture says this was the delight of his life. But, but isn't it funny sometimes how sorrow will precede blessing? He has to lose Rachel. And every time he looked into the face of Benjamin, he saw his beloved Rachel. Beloved, remember the old VHSs? I don't want to go too far here and get too deep. Remember the VHS? They have the video track, then they have the audio track. Well, the video track represents the memory of pain. The audio track reminds you of the pain, represents the pain. God can cleanse the audio track from your videotape, where you can always have a memory, but it won't kill you anymore. Can you say amen to that? God can remove the audio track of pain from that memory, whatever the memory was, so that you can summon the memory in order for it to be redemptive and help somebody else, but you won't have the same agony. I believe the love that Jacob had for Benjamin was so over the top, even though he saw Mama every time he looked at him. They were fond memories. Some of us have lived long enough for God to heal the audio track of pain, and now we can reflect on every part of our life without having to have a, a psychotropic meds. Some of you. And for the rest of you, I have a 900 tape series that you need to get. It's very profound. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look in this uh, small print dinky Lilliputian Bible. Oh, it's Dennis's Bible, the New American Double Standard Version. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's take a look-see. <laughs> mm, good. I'm going to have to put all my, I'm going to have to get my jeweler's eyeglass, huh? Oh, my gosh. How many of you praising the Lord today for his goodness? Amen. Hasn't he been good to you? Hasn't he been faithful even when you're faithless? Isn't it true? I'm so crazy about him. He loves me in the morning. He loves me in the evening. He loves me all the time. He thinks I'm just the, the greatest thing since Bible on cassette. I'm never going to upgrade that line, by the way. I could, but I won't. I'm at Starbucks the other day, and the young boy says, you know, remember way back when they had the push-button phones? I said, honey, I was back in the farm putting that thing to my ear going, hello, okay, in my lifetime. We've gone from that to every child having a cell phone. What's that about, by the way? How can they afford a cell phone? And at Starbucks, they're having four Starbucks a day. Four Starbucks a day, and you're 12? every day, six days a week? I don't know. I'm back on track. (laughs) Maybe your mind wandered. (laughs) Beloved, first of all today, proper interpretation is absolutely necessary during this season. Loved one, we are on the cusp of greatness, not the cusp of destruction. Don't misinterpret the time you're living in right now. And it's so imperative for Benjamins to realize that we are on the cusp of greatness. And now listen how Jacob misread 
the seasons and the times. The scripture says in Genesis 42, 36, their father Jacob said to them, his sons, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Have you ever just said in life, all these things are against me? Has it ever looked like everything is conspiring the elements themselves to destroy you? Guess what? Jacob misread everything. He was wrong. Simeon had been taken by Joseph for a minute. Joseph wasn't dead. He's actually alive in his Lord of Egypt and just about to end the famine. And Benjamin is being asked to go to Egypt, but his letting Benjamin go is going to be allowing 11 sons to get into Egypt where they will bow before their brother Joseph and all Joseph's dreams will come true. Remember the two dreams he has in Genesis 37, verse 7 and 9. First, there are sheaves that rise up in the field. He says, I was a sheave. And then all of you, all 11 of you, rose up and bowed down to me. Well, isn't that a cool dream? <laughs> then I had another dream, and the sun and the moon and, and 11 stars are all bowing down to me. You guys were all bowing down to me. Isn't that a fantastic confirmation of my first dream? And the scripture says they hated his guts. Now, we don't know if he was just dumb as a stump, half a bubble off plum, or he was arrogant. We don't know. Scholars argue. You know, what kind of a dim bulb would do that? I, I agree. I, I, I don't think he was being cocky here. That's just my personal feeling. I just think like most of God's servants, they are special needs by nature. I had a dream, and, and you bowed down, and it's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Watch who you share your dreams with, okay? Don't share everything God gives you with everyone who is around you, Benjamin. The more you evidence God's favor is on you, the more people who will not comply in order to have the favor are going to hate um, you. Loved one. Favor ain't fair. You have it or you don't. And if you have it and someone else doesn't, <laughs> called Envy the Green-Eyed Monster, they don't deserve that. I wish I had that. First of all, we'd like to talk to Gretchen. <laughs> Gretchen? There is no Gretchen, only Zool. <laughs> You've been waiting for that line for, what, 35 years? Hey, God's moving. <laughs> Whoa. She'll wait that long for a joke. Honey, if I pop a vein here, I, I, maybe I'll know, I have a stroke in this eye again. Can get five more shots. Oh, boy. I did bring that up, didn't I, before the service? Yeah. I'm the only man on the ear that's had five needles in his right eye. I'll preach on that another time. You know, I, I just encouraged everybody here. Earlier, before we went on the air, saying, you know, don't worry, the things you fear never come upon you, except with the needle in the eye thing, but that's another story. Okay. What's he talking about? It was Gretchen that threw me off. I was fine. 
Have you ever misread the moment? Jacob is misreading everything. There's a famine in the land. Yes, there's a lot of tension. Yes, but Simeon is gone. Joseph is gone. Uh, Benjamin is leaving and they're going to kill him in, in a bus accident. And all these things are against me. And guess what? He was wrong about everything. Simeon wasn't gone. He was safely in Joseph's hands, being fed well. Joseph wasn't gone. For 22 years, they haven't seen him, but he's, he's now Lord of Egypt, about ready to end the famine for them. He's about ready to send all the golden chariots to pick the whole family up, and they're going to move to Goshen, and Jacob is on the cusp of the last 17 years of domestic bliss that he's going to have in his life. But to him, in the moment, just like when uh, you call me at 3 in the morning, all these things seem to be against you in your interpretive grid. But your interpretive grid is often flawed. Like always flawed. Did you realize that? Like almost always you misread everything. Well, I thought, yeah, oh, that's overrated. Jacob can't see beyond his own nose in the midst of a famine and in the midst of tension and in the midst of crisis. But guess what? The good news is we're on the cusp of greatness, not on the cusp of destruction. Who is Benjamin? We found out last week that Benjamin is the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor works. He's his father's beloved child. And remember on the teaching called the beloved, you're not what you have. You're not what you can do. You're not what other people say about you. You are the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. I want you to see something that might be counterintuitive to what you've heard about Joseph and Benjamin. I do not believe that Jacob spoiled Joseph or Benjamin. We hear it so much. Well, there was division in the family. There's always going to be division in the family when someone gets favor. You think the disciples themselves were not a little bit jealous of John, who was the only one allowed close enough to lay his head on the chest of Jesus? And he called himself when he writes, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Thanks, John. <laughs> Rub a little Ben Gay on that, right? You know, yeah, I'm the guy he gave his mom to when he was hanging on the cross. You didn't read my book, did you? When you have intimacy with Jesus, everyone else is going to, you know, talking to me. Yeah, well, he thinks he's, you know, all that in a bag of chips, but I've, uh, Jesus loves me too. Love, we don't need to be hateful. It's not time to be jealous. It's not time to pass judgment and spill the tea on everything. Your tea's bad too. That's not even true. Find some good, legitimate tea to spill. Not just, have you heard? Heard what? Oh, I shouldn't say it. Well, then don't. No, no, but so we can pray more accurately. <sighs> don't misread. Interpret interpretation is so important right now. Let's talk to your friends right now in the, in the marketplace. They're watching the news. They're, they're on social media. They're, the last three years, good God Almighty. You ask people, what, what's your opinion? What do you think? What do you feel? Loved one, all I want to know is what is the Lord saying? 
Habakkuk 2. I've heard the devil. I've heard you. I've heard the media. I want to go to my prayer tower and hear what he will say to me. And it's not enough to hear his voice right now. You have to hear the fetal heartbeat of the God-man in the manger. We have to be so quiet right now. Filter it all out. You see, I don't believe Jacob spoiled Joseph or Benjamin. Benjamin never knew his mother. He, he got all daddy and no mama. Did you know sometimes that'll leave you imbalanced? But in the case of Joseph and in the case of Benjamin, it was God's will that the father alone lean upon both of them and he hugged them and he kissed them and he was demonstrative and he leaned upon Joseph and before Joseph was taken from him, Joseph was the father's confidant. Are we able to allow the father, can the father lean on us in this time? Can, can he whisper his intentions into our ear, and we don't go blabbing it everywhere. Are, are, are we confidants to the Heavenly Father? Remember, there are three kinds of people in your life. There are confidants, people that are there for you. Those are your friends. Those are the people that are there, safe people. There are constituents, people who are there for what you're for. They have the same cause, but they'll dump you as quick as they can if someone gets them there quicker. And then there are comrades. Those are people that you have a shared enemy with. Okay, now, confidants, Joseph was Jacob's confidant. Literally, it says that Benjamin was the son of his power, his right hand, his cane. He was literally his cane that he leaned on. Joseph was a confidant to Jacob. That's why the loss of Joseph was so overwhelming to him. For 22 years, he's been living without his precious Joseph. But when Benjamin came along, even though it required the death of Rachel, he had a right-hand man that he could share his heart with. That's a confidant. Constituents, they're just interested in your cause. Don't trust them. Comrades, they have no interest in you. You just have a shared enemy. Never share who you are with a constituent or a comrade. That's that's the majority of people in your life are constituents or comrades. No, they're my friends. Oh, are you deceived? Don't call anyone but a confidant your friend. Oh, I have a hundred friends. No, you don't. No, you don't. Nor did Jesus. Nor does the Father. Do you know how few people are called a friend of God in the Bible? God loves everyone equally. He doesn't like everyone equally. Get that clear. Just like you love everybody equally. Well, that's going on a limb. Uh, In principle, you should love everyone equally, but you don't like everybody equally. All right? Love is wishing the good of another. You can do that much. Can you please? Someone nod. Okay, good. It's a rough room. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Tell you my daughter, she's no bargain either. I got 14 Rodney Dangerfield lines. Is right now Sammy coming up. <laughs> Loving and liking are two different things. You know that in your world. You don't like everybody you love. <sighs> Not everyone is a friend of God. God in the Bible doesn't go, you're all my confidants. You know, yeah, right. A confidant is someone who knows you and is so close to your right hand of power that they have to help you get up to go to the bathroom. We used to, in the Bible uh, world, call them uh, armor bearers. You know, you used to have all these preachers. 
dressed up like peacocks and they come in with their bodyguards and you know there'd be these young strong men and I'd say who's that and they go that's my armor bearer and I thought oh how nice they used to put out little pamphlets on armor bearers nothing in the bible about it but you'd get a pamphlet I've never really had a lot of armor bearers I did at one time but they all stabbed me in the back on the way out of church but that's another message Joseph was the son of his right hand. Joseph was a confidant to Jacob. That's why his loss was devastating. He's been grieving that for 22 years because every time he looked at Joseph, do you know Joseph and Benjamin are the only full brothers of this whole thing? All the rest are half-brothers. There's something in this season, Benjamin, that is going to be unique because you've been longing to see a full member of your tribe, and they're coming your tribe, the people you click with, the people you've been born to fellowship with. One may be in England, one may be in Australia, they may be anywhere in the world, but I'm telling you what, they're coming. The people you have longed for are coming, and when you see them, when, when you get a full brother like Joseph meeting a full brother like Benjamin, magic happens. If two of you agree on anything, it will be done. Well, if you get two full-blooded brothers that means they had the same daddy and the same mama. But Benjamin's still home with Jacob, and Joseph is in Egypt. But you know what? It's a matter of moments before they're going to meet. And I'm encouraging you, Benjamin, hold out, because you're going to meet some full-blooded brothers and sisters, people who are confidants that are going to blow your mind and all the unity that exists when Joseph and Benjamin meet. Woo! And when they share tears and their tears mingle together and they realize they have the same father, the same mother, the same passions, the same visions, the same focus, they finish each other's thoughts, they finish each other's punchlines. You know how it is when you meet confidants. It's rare as hen's teeth. But that's coming. Confidants are coming confidants are coming, and you've only been used to constituents and comrades. I mean, the only people you see smile before they knife you between the fourth and fifth rib. Those are my friends. That's my church family. <laughs> Emmanuel. Don't raise your hands too high. Oh, oh there it is. Some of you quit raising your hands a few years ago. You see, Roman number two says 16 identifiable primary characteristics. <laughs> this happened to me once. I was in a church service where Jack Hayford was preaching, and I had drunk three Diet Cokes, and they put me in the middle of this audience that had 100 people. And it was a typical Christian church. There was no breach or break. You had to just, it's like Vegas. You had to just all pile in 50 people either way. And I'm sitting there. The second I sit down, my bladder is as big as a human head. The second I sat down and Pastor Hayford was up and he was in the middle of teaching on a 31-point series. And he hadn't started the points yet. And my bladder is already as big as a human. Anyway, could we all turn to our, before we turn to our Bibles, let's take a 45-minute offering. Could we do that? Could we lift our gifts to the Lord? And I'm like, going, oh, I'm going to kill somebody. 
I, I had to leave then. And he still keeps saying, and these 31 points will go rapidly today, I promise. They didn't, and I had to do, excuse me, 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 and interrupt the spirit. The dove left. I interrupted Jack, who lost his place. Let's start over, shall we? You know, like that old woman paying in pennies at the market. One, two, oh my me, I've forgotten. Where was I? Start over. Yeah, oh my gosh. You ever had a murderous feeling standing behind somebody that's older and paying with pennies? I'm going to milk this as long as I can. <laughs> it was. Isn't that a good Jack Hayford? I, I have for many years. And Jack used to say to his wife, honey, come lead us. Could you? I thought that was her name. Honey, come lead us, Hayford. Honey, could you come lead us? Now, those of you who are completely, this is lost to you, you're hearing the greatest Jack Hayward impersonation of your life. <laughs> but you can't appreciate it. <laughs> 16 identifying characteristics of Benjamin. So the Benjamin generation is a generation of the beloved. You know what I'm talking about. These are confident, secure, comfortable in their own identity. Oh, thank God, there's a move of God coming that is going to be rooted in servants who are actually comfortable in their own skin. Isn't that a concept? Not nervous, not devastatingly broken to the point of not being able to function. Benjamin, the Benjamin generation, they're secure in his love. Now, I want you to see Jacob. He's leaning on Benjamin. And I don't believe they were spoiled. I believe they both got daddy's love. They got the same love, the same nurturing, the same kindness. My brother Randy and I got the same love from Bruce Haig Johnson. My father was a lover. My father would hug us and kiss us and hold our hands when we walked like in Europe. I wasn't used to that in Nigeria, all the men hold hands. That was a little, I had to warm into that. My dad would wrap his arm around us and he'd hold our hands in the mall in front of all of our friends and he'd kiss us on the lips right in front of everybody and I, I, we, did, we didn't know any different, right? And everybody said, your dad is so loving. Jacob was that loving with Joseph and Benjamin. And they're going to later share that, and they're going to later go, isn't it amazing? They bore daddy's blessing. They didn't have enough mommy, but they had plenty of daddy and loved one. It was the father who named Benjamin because this Benjamin generation is a movement of the father's love. This next group he's raising up, and by the way, I don't mean kids. Uh, Benjamin generation, you can be 90 and be in the Benjamin generation. It's just that you're now comfortable in your own skin. You now know that you are the beloved of the Lord. You are no longer a human doing. You are a human being. You realize God didn't marry you to work for him. He married you because he's in love with you, and you accept him as your beloved. And then you have this confidence that Joseph and, 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 and Benjamin had. There's something about knowing you're, when you know you are the beloved of the Lord, you will stand taller, and like David, do you know why he was so bold, I think? Because he was so well-loved. David's mother is not mentioned. His father was a piece of work. But somebody loved David because King David was a lover. He was a fighter. 
he bore the same fruitful traits of confidence. Can you imagine this next revival is not a bunch of broken people that can barely be held together before they blow up morally or blow up doctrinally? The, the Benjamin generation is a generation of unity, balance, blendedness, head and heart, meal and oil, word and spirit. What a beautiful thought. To God, for what kind of power can come through a human being who's comfortable in their own skin? And there's no risk they're going to abuse the power. Only one who the Father's been leaning on. Benjamin, you, the Father's been pouring his love into you, his hugs, his kisses, his love. He's been securing you. Benjamin was, was the most protected boy in the universe, but it didn't ruin him. It inflated him and, and built him into... Uh, a leader so amazing that all of his brothers loved him. Did you know all his brothers hated Joseph, right? They wanted him dead. They wanted him tortured and then dead. It's one thing just to kill him. <laughs> I was watching a piece the other day about how Savonarola in Florence, how the, the monk, they're going to burn him, and they said that, that you know, when the uh, Inquisition would, would, would burn you, often in mercy, they would put packets of gunpowder over your neck. I thought, oh, what, a, what an act of love. <laughs> hey, love that love. Gotta love it. <laughs> I saw a misprint in an announcement when I went to a church service and they said, Friday, 6 p.m., exploding youth. <laughs> it was one service. <laughs> now that's commitment. <laughs> Were you there? I was there. It was, uh, it was very weird. <laughs> the Benjamin generation is a fathering generation. What do I mean? <sighs> they have the Father's blessing. Gary Smalley and John Trent wrote a book years ago called The Blessing, and they just said there are five components to the Father's blessing. Meaningful touch, non-sexual affection, meaningful touch, Special spoken words of acceptance, positive affirmation. Valuing the intrinsic worth of the child. You can see what their unique gift is and you affirm it. Picturing a special future for it. You're going to be something, you're going somewhere. And fifth, commitment to stay until the dream comes true. Those were the five points of blessing. That's all in the notes. You don't need to worry about it. Benjamin and his generation is a generation of the beloved, the beloved, those who have the Father's blessing. And if you have the Father's blessing and you were hugged and you were kissed and you were touched and you were blessed and you were affirmed, then you have that to give. In fact, it's dripping out of your pores. Daddy's blessing is on you and that's what you spread everywhere you go with your hug and your touch and your positive word and your ability to identify someone's unique gift and you picturing a special future and you committing to be there until the dream comes true. The Benjamin generation is named by the father and bears the blessing of the father. And do you know what this world needs right now? Fathering. 70% of our homes are fathered. No father present. 
And it's the Father who teaches meaningful touch, special spoken words of acceptance, valuing intrinsic worth, picturing a special future, and staying until you become all God wants you to be. Benjamin reeked of this. Joseph reeked of this. You couldn't be around him without being fathered. I do that intentionally with every human being I ever meet. Telling you a secret, I'm fathering you every minute I'm with you. Because I'm hugging you, I'm touching you, I'm encouraging you, I'm valuing you. And you can bless your parents and your grandparents, and you can bless those beneath you, those beside you, those above you. That's what you're here for. But particularly, this Benjamin generation is a fathering generation because we need the love of the Father, the healing of the Father, the affirmation of the Father. And Joseph and Benjamin have the same mommy and the same daddy, and I think a lot of us are just about to meet tribe members that we've been longing to meet our entire lives. The Bible's full of reluctant bridegrooms. Remember Adam went to sleep and woke up married? Remember Jacob went to sleep and woke up married to the wrong wife? Boaz woke up and found a potential wife laying at his feet in the threshing floor. <laughs> reluctant bridegroom. So, oh, you know. <laughs> it can be good. It can be bad. But we don't want to judge with those words. God is about to bring like-minded hearts and souls into your life and your ministry because it's time now. They're ripe, you're ripe, everybody's ripe for harvest. Yes, you've been alone in your life. Yes, there have been times when you have not had uh, maybe one confidant and they're, they're still nutty. You know, they're a confidant, but they're still, you know, you, know. <laughs> you, you have to go, I don't think it's a good time to talk. You come down from that, and then we'll call in about two hours. But he's about to bring confidants that are like Benjamin, loved by the Father, Joseph, loved by the Father, and they've been longing for one another. You, the Bible says Joseph longed to see Benjamin, his brother. So he set up this whole thing. Okay, here's the picture from the airplane. Joseph is Lord of the earth. There's a famine in the land. He was told that his brothers, all 11, would bow down to him one day. He's just minding his own business, doing the next right thing, being Lord of Egypt, you know, whatever, changing uh, silk garments and his headpiece and shaving his whole body. He had to do that every few days in order to enter Pharaoh's presence. In the process of him doing the next right thing, people from all over the world are coming into Egypt because there's a famine and they need corn. And one day he's, and he looks up and he sees, his, he sees 10 of his 11 brothers coming towards him. He was not expecting this. Do you know God's fulfillments are always greater than his promises? Yeah, he had dreams. He long forgotten them. 11 sheaves bowing down to him, big deal. 11 stars bowing down to him, big deal. Here comes 10 of those stars and they're desperate, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty. And it says, they didn't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognized them. And it says he was so overcome that he had to leave in order to sob. Sometimes you have to find a toilet stall where you need to go and sit and sob. You can always go to the bathroom, by the way. 
If you're ever in a difficult conversation, if things ever get heated up and revved up, you can always at the restaurant say, excuse me, and go to the bathroom, sit in the stall and cry for half an hour. I was at one of these pastor's meetings and, and, uh, I didn't realize I was so, you know, sometimes emotionally you don't know that you're sort of still tender in certain areas. And one of these preachers asked me some, he, was inter- he wasn't interested in me. He just asked me a question about my life. And I just started sobbing. And I was sobbing like a kid sobs. Like I didn't even know that was in there. You, has that ever happened to you? You know, you, you know, the beach ball you've held down so well all of a sudden pops up and you have no control. And this poor guy thinks I'm having a stroke. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. It's just that I just started sobbing. And I re- always remember my friend Deborah years ago told me, you can always go to the bathroom. You can always go. To, and I said, excuse me, as I'm slinging snot all over the table. <laughs> and I'm, I'm heaving the whole time I'm walking. But I went in to the stall and I sat in the stall and I wept for about 15 minutes. That's what Joseph had to do. Here's 10 of his brothers, and they need him now. Isn't it funny people get in contact with you when they need you? You know, I was just wondering if we could just have a phone call. What do you need? I haven't heard from you in 22 years. (laughs) You just wanted to hang right now? (laughs) He's been 22 years. I think he's long forgotten the dreams God had given him. Life can beat the dream out of you along with other stuff. But here he comes. Here, All ten brothers come, and you know what they do? They bow down before him. They don't know it's Joseph. They know he's the prime minister, though. And they say, we need some food. And Joseph goes and weeps. He goes and weeps. Did you know seven times Joseph weeps? This guy's a crybaby. This is the first time we see him weeping. Six more times. Did you know, Benjamin generation, that you and your very presence is going to trigger tears of release in other people? Part of this outpouring of the Holy Ghost is going to be people weeping and sobbing, tears of delight, tears of woundedness, tears of pain, until all those tears are gone and then people start laughing hysterically because there's relief and there's release. And some of you will never start crying because if you ever start, you think you're never going to stop. Well, a Benjamin generation, just by Benjamin being in the room, it's going to release all the tears. I've lived through many moves of God in my life, but I've seen sacred places where people begin to weep and sob and are able to release all those. We're just like popping a balloon with needles full of years of repressed tears, and it's the most sacred place to be in, the most beautiful room to be in. And Benjamin, you're going to be safe enough in God's eyes to facilitate those kind of tears. And you will not treat that moment inappropriately. You are a midwife. A midwife is allowed in a holy place during a holy time in order to facilitate a divine birth. You have been Benjamin raised all your life and trained for this. The Father can lean on you because he trusts you. And therefore, he's going to bring to you people that have such tender tears that you may just have to hold them and soothe them for hours until the weeping is done. Don't call it off till the last tear comes comes down. Are you a safe place, Benjamin? Is this house a safe house where people could cry for five hours? And there's nothing wrong. You just haven't, you know, just got 
50 years of backed up tears. Have you ever been to a counselor? No, Jesus is my counselor. Oh, okay. Well, you got 50 years worth of tears that are going to be. And they manifest in your body. I have a dear friend that wrote a book called Listen to Your Body. And she said that every trauma you've ever suffered and every loss in your life is right now acting out in your body. And we're not listening to our bodies. Our bodies are screaming at us. You got 50 years of backlog tears there that need to come out. No, I don't. Push that down. You do a workout program to push the beach balls down. Everybody, one, two, three, push that beach ball down. Push that beach ball. Yeah, in Jesus' name, push that beach. No, no, God's going to bring, Benjamin's generation is going to facilitate a safe room where the tears start flowing. And that means when all the tears of a nature of loss are gone, then all the tears of joy are right behind that. Psalm 126, when the Lord turned our captivity, we were as them that dreamed and those that sow in tears are going to reap in joy. They're going to bring their sheaves with them. There are some tears coming, beloved. Tears are the diamonds of heaven. Tears are a language God understands. And we're going to see seven instances of Joseph crying. Benjamin. Oh, I can't wait to be in the Benjamin rooms of worship, the Benjamin rooms of deliverance. And by the way, Benjamin's arrival is going to be signaled by a commanded blessing. Listen to Psalm 133, a song of a sense of David, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Arid's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life for evermore. The Benjamin generation is going to trigger a unity that we have never seen before. Did you know unity is the desire of Jesus? In John 17, he says that they may be one father as we are one. Unity is the delight of his people. When we are in uni unity with one another, union and unity, remember are two different things, union, tie two cats together, throw them over a wire. That's union. <laughs> But all the parts of your car together, assemble properly, that's unity. All right. We got union, people killing one another, hung cats tied on wires right now. Just turn on the media. Yeah, that's the whole soundtrack of our, of our age. Right? Hatred, prejudicial assault. Everybody's killing everybody else. One group murdering another group. But the Benjamin generation... When, they show, when Benjamin shows up, there's unity, and it's called the commanded blessing of the Father. It's not union. It's unity. And it's likened unto oil that flows down, the special anointing oil, Exodus 33, that was put together in order to flow down Aaron's head and his beard and his clothing goes all the way down, his linen garments. We are going to see a unity unlike anything we have ever seen before in the body of Christ. Thank God. Finally an awakening where it isn't destroyed by immorality and false doctrine in 20 minutes. Azusa, the Azusa outpouring lasted about three years, if three years before it was completely blown off the map with immorality and false teaching. Blew up. A revival in Wales. Blew up. This one that's coming 
it's not going to blow up. It looked like the world's about to blow up. But when Benjamin's generation rises, there's a unity that is going to fall corporately upon the body of Christ. It's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. It's supernatural. It's not even human. You cannot unite. You get two Christians together, you have 12 opinions in most cases. But Benjamin's going to facilitate tears of release. It's going to be common in our services. And did you know before every revival there is always weeping before there is reaping? Did you know that there is a, a conviction of sin that falls upon the people of God and first confession, it, tears line the way before God does anything else? Bring it on, Lord. Let it be. Let it be, God. Let it be. Release these tears. Lord, we need to cry. Many of us need to cry. We need to cry, God. We need to cry a lifetime of pain away, a lifetime of wounds away, a lifetime, Lord Jesus Christ. Bring it, Lord. Bring it, bring it, bring it. Oh, my God. And along with unity, that represents balance, blending. God's going to blend the oil together. He's like he blends the sacred oil together. He's good. Benjamin is a head and heart, word and spirit movement. We're going to be on the middle of the road, not in either ditch on the left or the right. We're going to be walking right down the middle way. Oh, isn't this good news? And you're a part of this generation. Doesn't matter what your age is. Well, how old was Benjamin? We don't know. Because when he goes to Egypt, he's got five sons. So, you know, they call him the lad, the little one, the baby. Well, I call Arwen the baby, and she's 15. So don't, don't let that throw you. I call Sebastian baby, and he's... 30-something. I used to walk in the house and go, honey, and nine heads would turn because everybody's honey. Benjamin's well-loved by his daddy. Benjamin has nothing to prove to anybody. He has nothing to show off about. He isn't spoiled, and you're not spoiled. And he's well hidden. Did you know he was hidden and secured by Jacob himself? The father has been hiding you and keeping you out of play for a long time. Why? Because you need to be surfaced at the right time, Benjamin, because the holy work he's going to do is involving tears. You have to be a handmaid. You have to be a you have to be someone able to go into the intimacy of the birthing room and facilitate the birth of a Moses and not make it all about you. It's not about you. It's about who the Father's blessing, who the Father is healing, who the Father's delivering. Can you imagine as these tears begin to flow, what's going to come up out of people that have been in there all this time? We never knew that was in there. God did. God did. Don't worry. Those of you that need to cry, and I'm looking at a few, need to cry for about 10 hours solid without interruption. And it's something that you would never do because you're a little God and you're in charge of your little world. Well, little God, the true God, knows how to break little gods where they cry. Did you know Jacob wouldn't let Benjamin go? Because even a good thing can become an idol if you don't watch it. In one step, a good thing becomes an idol. Did you notice Jacob is holding Benjamin and won't let him go to Egypt? So Joseph 
sees his ten brothers come. They bow down. You know he's starting to tear up because this is a beginning of his vision. It's only ten, though. There's got to be eleven brothers bowing down to fulfill his promise. And some of you, you've had ten brothers bow, and that's frustrating because the eleventh isn't there yet. Hold on, Joseph. You're one kid away. One brother away from all your dreams coming to pass, but they were terrified of him. And so you know what Joseph does? He plays with them a little bit. <laughs> God will hurt you, but he'll never harm you. He says, uh, how y'all doing? Where are you from? <laughs> uh, our, my Lord, your servants is the first humility they've ever shown in their lives, and they have no idea who they're bowing before. You know, God's into that kind of thing. Remember he says in the book of Revelation, I'm going to make those that are of the devil that say that they're people of God come and bow down before you and acknowledge that I've always been with you. Now, Jesus, pet the babies, but don't be rude. Oh, he loves this kind of he loves it. He sends the ten boys. They've got to bow down, and then Joseph messes with them a bit. He goes, you look like a bunch of spies to me. <laughs> they go, thy servants are not spies. We're starving. We need food. He goes, no, 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 no. I think you've come in to spy out the land. No, 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 we swear we haven't. He goes, okay, okay, uh, how, how's your dad? How does he know he has a dad? Is your dad still alive? Yes, our father. Do you have any other brothers? Yeah, we have one. He's the youngest. Joseph goes, you're spies. I'm not, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you enough grain to get back home, but you are going to bring your younger brother here, and I'm going to take Simeon, your brother, and I'm arresting him. And the minute that you will get no more bread until you bring Benjamin back to me, I want to see him to prove your story's true and you're not spies. And they're like freaking out. Have you, you know, chain smoking in the back? Oh, my God. Oh, it's the end of our world. Ah! Ah! No, everything's fine. Jacob misread everything, and they're misreading everything. The Lord of Egypt. By the way, they hated Jews. You want to talk about prejudice? Jews. Oh, Jewish shepherds. Oh, the Egyptians hated shepherds. In fact, when they come to Egypt, they put them way over in Goshen because they don't want to be anywhere near the Egyptians because the Egyptians hate their guts. And you think you can't flourish in a prejudicial age. The devil is a liar. So all they know is an Egyptian that hates Jewish shepherds is accusing them of being spies, and they've just taken Simeon and locked him up. Oh, no. Okay, so he fills their sacks. He says, now go home. So they go home to Jacob, and they go, Jacob, Jacob, oh, my God, daddy, daddy. He goes, what's wrong? He goes, oh, we met the Lord of Egypt, but he thinks we're spies, and they've taken Simeon captive, and we're supposed to bring Benjamin. So put him in the wagon, let's go now. And Jacob goes, you fools. Something he doesn't trust about these boys. They're the ones that messed with Joseph. They're the ones that threw Joseph in the pit. He's always had a bad feeling about these boys. He doesn't trust Reuben at all. Reuben is a loss. Reuben says, I will be a guard for Benjamin. You can kill my two sons if I don't return. What are you going to offer your own sons for? 
<laughs> Reuben, remember him? The firstborn got thrown out, Mr. Immoral. He doesn't trust Reuben. Reuben vouches for Benjamin. Jacob is holding on to Benjamin. Listen to me closely. Some of us have been holding on too long to something out of fear. He was so wounded when he lost Rachel, so hurt when he lost Joseph, that he was never going to open his heart again and let Benjamin go. But isn't it the creepiest thing? If he doesn't let Benjamin go to Egypt, the famine won't be over. Joseph's destiny won't be revealed, and Jacob won't be put in a wagon and brought to Goshen where he will live the last 17 years of his life in domestic bliss. Can we be holding on to anything an old wound, an old hurt, an old unforgiveness because you were validly hurt before and it makes logical sense to you that I will never, I will die before I ever let go of what I'm holding in my arms. Watch it. <laughs> He's holding on to Benjamin, which is the linchpin that's necessary to go to Egypt for those 11 boys to stand in front of Joseph and to bow and so that every transaction of reconciliation happens. Loved ones, sometimes we're holding on to something to our own hurt. Let it go. Let it go. You've been holding on to that for decades. You've exhausted yourself, your income, and your opportunities by holding on to something that you don't realize until you let it go, you're not going to get your blessing. Well, then I'll die. Okay, well, we'll see. Again, little gods get broken by the God with the big G on his sweatshirt. That's how we know you from God. He has a big G on his sweatshirt. You got a little G on your sweatshirt. Yeah, but I'm powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm winding this up because I can't, I can't possibly go much further. So we're going to be, again... We'll be finished with this in Christmas. One years ago, I, I started teaching on the tabernacle, and we got into the tabernacle, and I got locked in, and I could never get out. <laughs> it was like two years went by, and they went, well, what are they teaching on? And they're still in the tabernacle. Craig got lost in the holy place, and he can't get out. Where is he now? He's hung on the golden candelabra. He can't get out. <laughs> The Benjamin generation is the beloved generation bearing the Father's blessing, and they're utterly secure, and they're utterly at peace, and they don't have anything to squabble about, and they're not arguing about non-essentials of doctrine, and essentials unity, and non-essentials liberty, and all things charity. That represents, that could be the armorial crest on the Benjamin generation. They are not going to fall in the ditch of the right or the left. They are not going to drown in shallow water. They are not going to die on the wrong battlefield, so don't even try. You know, I did religion line with Dennis Prager for 10 years, and you cannot get anything over on Dennis Prager. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what question you have. You can't ever get around. Den Dennis has your judo moves, ninja moves. You do this, he does that. Nobody's going to get this guy. You don't want to debate with this man because he's got you. That's how the Benjamin generation is. They're so good at spiritual kung fu that, that they just can't be put off track. And the main things are the plain things, and that's all they're going to focus on. If you knew how valuable all of this is, you'd be running around shouting. 
if someone would just lead us in that, maybe we could fall. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start winding down now. L- listen to me. This is so imperative that you understand. This is the fetal heartbeat of the God man. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. If you have ears, hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, and dump everything else. Stop everything else. Put a filter on everything else and shut it all out, because this is the heartbeat John heard at dinner with Jesus. This is what he cares about. This is what he longs for. This is what he's doing. This is his fascination. If you love someone, won't you at least act like you're interested in their hobby? I mean, act like it. I've got a new collectible coming this week. I'm not going to say what it is. I'll tell, I'll show it to Dennis and Tom. It's a historical item because I know that Dennis and Tom appreciate my historical items. Rebecca, she goes, you go on your cruise, Vicki and I are going to take care of all that stuff in your bedroom. It's all going out in the trash. (laughs) Napoleon's bedspread, whatever that is, no. This will be spick and span when you get back. (laughs) And I've got a little glass doll case that's got all my really expensive collectibles in it. And they said, that's the first to go. At least act like you appreciate somebody's passion. (laughs) What's that? Tell me more. (coughs) Brooke has one of her friends that imitates me when I am showing all my treasures. He imitates me. Mocks me. (laughs) Over here... Do you know God longs to share his interests with his children? And he doesn't share his secrets with everyone. You shouldn't either. But the Bible says those that reverence the Lord are custodians of the secrets of the Lord. And the Benjamin generation, because they're at his right hand, and he's leaning on them completely. When he went to the bathroom, Benjamin took him. When he had to eat, Benjamin took him. When he bathed, Benjamin helped him bathe. He was his right arm. Beloved, God is right. God's got some friends in the world that really care about his stuff and really have a heart for the things he has a heart for and really have a passionate interest with him on the same topics, how to redeem this broken, fallen world, how to be used by God without getting in the way, how to be a window uh, to eternity that people don't see the window, but they see through the window to him. You're not supposed to see the window. Everyone look at me. We don't want to see you. We're supposed to see through you. To him, Benjamin is a window through whom the kingdom can be seen. Someone say amen. Just put your hands together. Give me some kind of reaction here right now. Lord, we praise you in advance. Like Bishop Jake says, we're going to give God a praise on credit. What does this have to do with me? Everything. You're you got a front row seat to the greatest move of God in human history, and it's the Benjamin generation. You know what to look for. There's unity that is going to saturate all the diversity you've been looking at. There's healing for all of the brokenness that is cascaded before your eyes on social media 24 hours again a day. Do you know what? Sometimes you don't even bring a topic up if you don't have the oil to heal that situation. Don't even bring it up. 
But God's going to start opening the heavens, and the oil's going to start dropping, and then the tears are going to start flowing, and God's going to start doing Herculean events, and that is when someone's demon leaves, then you can talk to them about the topic. Paul says the God of this world, sometimes 2 Corinthians 4, 4, blinds the minds of them who do not believe. They can't see your argument. They cannot put up a chart to a blind man. Yeah, yeah, put up another chart for me. Yeah, explain that view. But when their eyes are opened, they see everything with a very subtle presentation. Quit trying to pull at fruit that isn't ripe on the tree yet. Don't open up wounds you do not have the credential to close. Well, I'm going to just tell the truth about that's right. Do you have enough power for them to have the tears they need to flow for 10 hours before they let go of that devil? No. Shut up and love them. Pray for them, Lord. Pray for them. You can't, someone that has their ears, are, they're deaf, they can't hear you. They're blind, they can't see you. But this Benjamin generation... Ears are going to open, eyes are going to open, hearts are going to open, and it's amazing how people are transformed in one second with the presence of God that won't read your three books on the topic. And can I say one more thing, and then I'll stop. He sends the ten brothers back, gives them enough grain, But he has sent them on intentionally for one reason, one end, and that is to bring Benjamin. Did you know God, make God come and get you. Please make God come and get you. He knows where you are. Well, I've got my best photo and my best sermon tape, and I'm going to send it to 500 preachers, and someone's going to invite me to speak. Please make God come and get you. He knows where you are, Benjamin. Safe where you should be, securely in your father's arms. Your father's deceived. He's wrong about everything. But he is hugging you, kissing you, loving you. He is <laughs> touching you. He is speaking positive words. He is valuing your intrinsic worth. He is picturing a special future. Daddy's doing everything daddy needs to do. Stay there as long as you need to. Because you know what? When God sends for you, he's going to get you. When there was a work in the world, Barnabas and all the churches said, we need somebody uniquely qualified for this work. And, and uh, Barnabas said, you know what? I know who's right for this job. Saul. Where is he? He's eight years making tents in Tarsus. Go get him. And they went and got Saul when it was, make God come and get you. And you don't even see it, but right now the process is already enacted where people are coming and their only reason for coming is to get you because you're the mineral, you're the vitamin, you're the only answer that anyone's going to have. You're the only full-blooded brother of Joseph, the only human on the planet who is going to be able to become the linchpin of utter fulfillment. Yeah, there's famine in the world right now. Yes, it's a rabid tension, but don't misread it now. Like Jacob did. All these things be against me. No, everything is for you. Shh. Quit cursing your own life. Say what God says about you. I don't understand and I don't figure it out, but all things are for me. Because God. Here's Benjamin. Now, he, the Bible says he never says a word. We don't know who the kid is. He's the lad. 
But you know what? That boy is the focal point of redemption on the earth right now, and, and they're sending a posse to get him. They're coming. And you know what? 250 miles. Takes three weeks. Every time they keep going down and coming back and going down and coming back, going down and coming back. <laughs> it's 250, 500-mile round trip. Six weeks round trip. But their only intention is to get Benji. God will surface you at the right moment when you are the answer to everybody's prayers. Remember it says of Samuel that Hannah asked for him. Samuel was an answer to prayer, and for the rest of his life, he was an answer to prayer for everyone else wherever he went. Benjamin, you are an answer to prayer, and you are going to be an answer to prayer whenever you walk in the room. Remember, the beloved only has to walk in the room and tears start transacting, reconciliation starts transacting, everything gets right real quick. I want to pray for you. Can you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Gretchen, could you pray with the folk as I lay hands on the folk as I pray? Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for you right now, beloved, precious one. Oh, Benjamin, hold on. Rachel, you're just about to bear the fruit of a lifetime. Don't kill yourself. Benjamin, you're just about to be summoned. They're there. You can hear them at the gate. They're at the door. You're just about to fulfill your destiny. You're the linchpin. Hold on. Joseph, you're one brother away from a, an 11-fold bow that's going to fulfill all your dreams. Hold on. We're right on the cusp. Don't misinterpret things right now. Father, for your precious uh, uh, daughters right now, I pray that they will not misinterpret their season right now, that they will not look at their barrenness and assume they're going to be barren forever, that they would not look at their past history of barrenness and think, therefore, I will be barren forever, that they will start to realize it isn't true that all things be against me. All things are just primed and set up to bring fruitfulness that you've never been able to imagine. I pray right now that all my sisters would give us, you would put a seed of hope deep down, deep down in their heart. And Lord, where their bodies are trying to contain tears, vats of tears that need to be uh, plumbed. Uh, you need to bring a, a little needle that's going to pop the balloon and then all the water's going to come out. We pray gently and tenderly, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to break up the fountains of the great deep in your daughter. Give her a place to cry, a room to cry, people to cry around until she's all cried out. Not little fits for 30 or 40 seconds of massive tears, but I thank you it's a lie that if she starts, she'll never stop. You will, if you start, you will stop. God will manage your tears. But I pray now for your daughters, Lord, that they would have a safe opportunity, a safe place around safe people, that you can let those tears be relieved and released and brought to the surface in the name of Jesus. Bless your daughters. Let the beach balls fly, Lord. Let them fly. We don't care what anybody says about us. We don't care what anybody thinks about us. We'll roll around on the floor and growl if we have to and shout if we have to. Bless your daughters, Lord, in the, from the top of the head to the soles of the feet. And Lord, your sons, give them the same release they need. Send them full-blooded brothers of their tribe who can know them and understand them and have shared interests and that they can also find relief from their pain and from their tears. And Lord, thank you that your unity oil is going to melt all disunity 
in Jesus' name. Thank you that you are going to bring a unity that is going to flow from the top of the head of Aaron all the way down his linen garments. It's going to start at the head, and it's going to flow all the way down the body of Christ, and we're going to see a magnificent work of a corporate anointing of unity through the Benjamin generation being raised up right now. Lord, trigger that now for your sons. Let your sons be mighty men. And Lord, if they had, didn't have a father, you are their father. Bring fathers to father them so that they can be comfortable in their own skin. And they have just enough daddy to fill them up with boldness in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Shout amen. Give God some praise. Go ahead. Give him some crazy praise. Benjamin, give him some Benjamin praise. Amen. We'll stay there and we're going to keep this thing because the Lord Jesus is so excited about his Benjamins, just as you're excited about people that you utterly trust with your life. Because you know they know you. You know they're not going to misrepresent you. You know they understand the deep things. You know they know your motivations. You know they know all your brokenness and they're still crazy about you. Jesus has confidence in the earth. They're all over the place, but most of them are hidden right now. What am I doing, Biden? They're hidden. They're hidden. <laughs> They're hidden. Most of his confidence are hidden. They're the 7,000, haven't bowed a knee to Baal nor kissed his mouth. They're in caves. Some of them are in limbo. Some of them are, <laughs> what do we call it when the animals... Hibernation. Some of them are hibernating right now. There's not enough food and the season isn't right. And they're just uh, like, they're big bears asleep underground. Who's that? It's a Benjamin snore to me. I'm a connoisseur of snoring. It's a Benjamin. But his confidants will be released in due course. They can't come forth a second before they're supposed to. Because these people are led only by God's time. I was thinking this, this week, do you realize every time angels appear in the Bible, they show up, they do what they were told to do, and they leave? Would to God we could follow their example. Show up, say only what God tells you to say, and leave. Don't add to it, I have a word from the Lord, and I feel it could mean, shh, show up, give the message, disappear like the frankincense in the temple. Be finely ground, let them set you on fire, leave a good fragrance behind, and then there's nothing. That's the example we need right now. Show up, give the message, don't interpret it, and leave. Be brief, be clear, and be seated. The three Bs. All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Well, cakes are done. People are finished. I'm finished. <laughs> Isn't he good? Hasn't he been faithful to you all of your life? He's been faithful. And even when you saw the one set of footprints, he's been carrying you this whole way. He doesn't just love you. He's in love with you. He's not just going to open a door. He's going to carry you over the threshold. It's going to be easy now. Remember, Benjamin is on his shoulders like the lamb on the shoulders of Jesus, which means you don't even need to walk. This can be so easy. Jesus is walking. He's, all you got to do is just be up on his shoulders and watch everything. That's how easy the Benjamin generation is going to be. Effortless. No humping, no pumping, no gesticulations, no need to scream, no need to fast, no need to do spiritual gymnastics. 
You just walk in and you're the answer. Sounds too easy. Yeah, I know. Your dreams are about to come true, doesn't matter how old you are. Everything you've ever hoped for, hungered for, thirsted for, longed for, and wanted is going to show up. Benjamin. And they're coming to get you. In Acts chapter 10, the apostle Peter is on a roof in Joppa, and he sees a vision three times. And finally, there's a knock at the door, and the Holy Spirit said to him, these men are here to get you. Argue nothing about it. Go with them. The Lord's saying to all of you, shut up and go with them when the the door is knocked on because the Lord has sent them. They're coming to get you. Don't argue about it. We don't need your opinion. We've heard it all these years, and it's taken you nowhere. Shut up and obey when they come to get you, and just go. Hallelujah. God bless you. Jesus loves you. If you don't know Jesus, all you have to do is open your heart. Just imagine being a submarine under the water, and you just open the, the, the door underwater, and you just, oh, that's it. You don't need to do holy things, good works, anything. All you need to do is just say, ocean, come into my heart. And that's exactly what happens when you open that door. 30,000 feet up or underneath the sea. He just says, open the door. That's all. Your heart is the door. The handle is on the inside. Just open up. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. That's it. And he will do everything for you. Benjamin. And it's easier to open the door to your heart when you know he's in love with you. And you know that you're his favorite. And you know that from the foundation of the world, he's been dreaming about you. Opening that door. That all he wants in all of his being is that you open that door. Oh, what's not to love? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Amen? You be encouraged, beloved. And if we feed you, you pray for us and you feed us. You can go to your PayPal and bless us so I can pay the Hampton Inn and Suites a check this week. We feed you, you feed us. We don't feed you. We want nothing and expect nothing from you. But if you have prayer requests, you can send them in. And can we thank God for Mike Fuller and all he does? It's Mike Fuller that puts this all together. And you're hearing this platform because of Michael James Fuller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God bless you. We love you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.